So I want to speak to you today about food justice within the context of three threads. Systems of oppression, labor, and social and or food justice movements. I've chosen to use a chronological structure that we will use to take us from the antebellum period to the present. I'll describe the systems of oppression and corresponding movements throughout. Let's turn to the Great Depression, the 1930s to the 1940s, and I want to take a look at uh, something I talk about in my most recent book, Southern Food and Civil Rights, The New Negro Alliance. In 1927, Chicago's Urban League chapter launched an unsuccessful campaign against A&P Grocery Store. Now, so you all get this? A&P Grocery Store, I remember as a child, A&P Grocery Store. Raise your hand, Any, anybody in here remember A&P Grocery Store? All right, yeah, we're showing our age by, by, by raising our hand. Today, A&P Grocery Store would be your Wegmans, it would be your Walmart, it would be your Stop and Shop, it would be your shop, right? What's the chain in Florida? Anybody here from Florida? Publix. It'd be your Publix. All right, so you all know what I'm talking about. That's what A&P was. A&P is the first box-sized grocery store in U.S. history. They are campaigning against A&P Grocery Store Company, which has, which has been refusing to hire African Americans in positions such as clerks and managers. Keep them in many open positions throughout the store. For two years later, the black-owned newspaper in Chicago, the Chicago Whip, launched a, quote, don't spend your money where you can't work boycott. They mobilized the black south side residents of Chicago known as Brownsville. So this is the region of Chicago where you see the concentration of African Americans. This is a revisionist history of the Civil Rights Movement that most people say the Civil Rights Movement begins in 1954 with Rosa Parks. What my research is showing is no. We need to go back to 1927 to see the first examples of direct action. And it is what happens here in Chicago. The New Negro Alliance and its movement in Washington, D.C. had the largest and most successful direct action movement of the 1920s through the 1940s against food-related businesses such as supermarkets, luncheonettes. Now, I don't know what would be the equivalent of a luncheonette for you all today. I guess just a fast food restaurant. I Ice cream parlors and pharmacies. So back in those times, pharmacies all had lunch counters where you would go and you would get your ice cream. Gosh, I'm just thinking how antiquated this sounds. A root beer float. Y'all looking at me like, what's a root beer float? Right? A root beer float is a big glass of root beer and you take a scoop of vanilla ice cream and you put it in the middle and it slowly melts and turns into this amalgamation of root beer soda and ice cream. Now, don't tell me you don't like it until you taste it. Just try it one time. You probably could figure a way to do it in the cafeteria here. But those are some of the things you would have at a, at a pharmacy. The movement included boycotts, picketing, the arrest of protesters, and court cases, including the US Supreme Court case, New Negro Alliance versus Sanitary Grocery Company. Sanitary Grocery Company, is another big player in the, in the box grocery stores at its time. It may sound antiquated, but it was an important court case. The March 1938 case had a profound effect on similar movements around the country and laid the foundation, is what I'm arguing, for the U.S. civil rights cases. So the cases that people like Thurgood Marshall, when he was an attorney for the NAACP, many of those cases 
involved some of the same attorneys. And many of these attorneys got their law degrees like um, Thurgood Marshall at Howard University. So that became the, the brain trust of the NAACP and the Urban League and their legal cases against segregation. In DC, let me give you just an excerpt from the book talking about eateries in Washington, DC. This is the nation's capital in the 1940s. In the 1940s through the early 1960s, Washington, D.C. had predominantly Jim Crow restaurants and cafeterias. Jim Crow, what does that mean? White only, segregated, the nation's capital, White House around the corner, yet you had segregated restaurants throughout Washington, D.C. So there were restaurants and cafeterias that catered to a white only customer base. Historically, U.S. officials created the nation's capital out of the southern territories of Virginia and Maryland, and a small but powerful block of Dixiecrats ensured that Jim Crow keep eateries in the city segregated. You had this, in, this balance of who controlled uh, Washington, D.C., and half of them were people from Virginia that if you look back a generation or two, their family members were slave owners. They were some of the most important leaders of the Confederate government and from the state of Maryland. Those who lived and worked in D.C. also had to endure the battle of the plate. What is it? Referring to the long lines outside of restaurants with high customer demands but inferior food and service. African Americans found few places to eat in and around the capital and as a result walked blocks past segregated restaurants and cafeterias in order to get a meal. A number of government buildings with cafeterias including the Department of Justice cafeteria and the Federal Reserve Bank Building Cafeteria refused to serve African Americans. What's ironic about this is who's cooking the food? Black folks in the back. So they can't eat in the front, but they're in the back. Now, I don't know about you. Has anybody here ever worked in a restaurant? When you get bad service from a customer, who knows what happens to that plate in the back before it comes out to you? Hello? <laughs> think about it. Don't think too much, because you just ate. Okay. <laughs> Uh, an, an interesting case that I want to share with you is also uh, the case of Thompson restaurant chain would be like Mickey D's. They were, ever, they were everywhere. The organizations that were fighting against segregation in Washington, D.C., they targeted the Thompson's restaurant chain and brought a case before them. And they actually won the case. This is, uh, by, by this time, we're talking about the, 19, the 1950s.